understanding. Um, and one thing about it, I when I preach, I don't like to. I go a certain area, do certain things a certain way for a while, and then I feel like changing, and um, I kind of feel like going through a little change tonight. Um, we we have been, and I have been kind of on this particular line of preaching and teaching. In fact, I, I'm going to tell you right now that, uh, Brother, Brother Goldsmith, there you are, I'm taking your turn Wednesday, okay? I, because I uh, God been, was dealing with me before service, and I'm going to talk about how to deal with the accuser of the brethren. I'm going to teach on that Wednesday. And um, I, uh, I, I want to say tonight that it's really been strong on my heart. We still want to get into the place that God has for us. Now, it may be a play on words, but in my way of thinking, there is the land of promise, and then there is the promised land. And crossing Jordan is getting into the land of promise, where promises are met, where things are important to us that are of a godly nature and spiritual nature. Promised land is heaven. And uh, I made a statement beforehand. I, I remember, uh, of course, I was not always serving God, but I was raised in a very... Uh, my family that did, and I remember where heaven was a a point of talking. You you heard that a lot. You heard it from pulpits. You heard it in discussions. You saw people who who years and years and years ago that's their desire. They hungered for it. They wanted to go to heaven. Along with that, there came mighty miracles. Somehow, the association of your desire for heaven will bring about the promises that God has for you in His Word. Now, I, that I'm assured of. We do not want heaven badly enough. We do not want heaven badly enough. I am not, and I know I'm getting older, and I realize that sometimes you get set in your ways. I am not a person... Who I, I, I don't come to church, and I've said this before, I am not into the social part of church. I don't really care. If I'm going to be a socialite, I'll go somewhere else. Okay? I believe in fellowship and encouragement and all that, but there's a purpose in all that. There's a purpose in it. Just to go to socialize, there's, that's not what I'm in. I come to church not just to get something, but to give something. And to prepare myself and to somehow get just a little bit more of, of a vision of where I'm going to go one day. Do you get that? I want to see someone, and I have seen it, and we've all seen it, but I want to see more people completely set free. I want to see more people completely healed, not just partial, not just a headache. I want to see a real cancer come out. I want to see, understand that. I, I want to see that. I want to see people be the same they leave being prayed for on a Sunday night and come back the next Sunday night and they're still in good shape. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what God has intended. But between the two Sundays, your mind has to be somewhere else besides on the muck and the nastiness of the world. Hebrews, 11th chapter, 
verses 13 through 16. Now, I'm reading this out of the Amplified. I didn't tell you, Monitor, to do that. You can throw it up there if you want. If you don't have it there, that's fine. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. And it says, These people all died controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises, only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith. And all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents and exiles upon the earth. Now those people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland, their own country. And if they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. They weren't talking about a place they had been. They were talking about a place they wanted to go. You got that. But the truth is that they were yearning for and aspiring to a better and more desirable country that is a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, even to be surnamed their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for he has prepared a city for them. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, our hearts, our minds, Lord, our aspirations and our desires are being placed right now in your hands. Let something happen that will change us this evening, something that will give a permanent change. There is somebody tonight, God, that needs the Holy Ghost. There is somebody that needs to come to you, Jesus, with a desire more than ever before. Look to that, Jesus, now. We put it in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Clap to your Lord as you're being seated. Clap to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know how many years ago this happened. I don't even try to remember back somewhere 20 plus years ago. Uh, and those many of you will understand what I'm saying um, simply because you have heard messages preached and they could have gone back years, maybe weeks, maybe months, whatever, and you can't really recall who did it, who said it, but you can remember one thing that was said, and that is just the way we are. But I remember several years ago that I probably had one of the most tremendous impacts uh, or was tremendously, let me put it the right way, impacted by a, uh, a minister that was doing a funeral. Or I was helping with, with that funeral. I remember that. And uh, he was retired. He was a retired man. And uh, there was a lady that had passed away. And this retired had been one of her former pastors, stood to share his gratitude for the life of this woman. Now, again, he had been retired for some time. But he went on and he talked about losing his father and his mother, his wife, and several friends. Then I can remember that he, in my opinion, that he sort of looked up as though seeing something that no one else could see. And uh, he said this. He said, I, I now have more family and friends in heaven than I do here on earth. Heaven is looking more like home all the time. And that thought has stuck with me for all these years and will probably continue to stick with me because heaven is looking more like home all the time. It's looking more like home all the time. Now, in talking of these people that I just read to you about, 
the people of faith. The author of Hebrews wrote, and all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. And if they had been thinking of that country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for something better, a a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared that city for them. God loved them so much, and these people lived by faith. They lived through pain. They lived through suffering because they desired a city that was greater than anything they had ever had in the past. There was something more that they were looking for. Now the first thing we begin to see in Scripture is that heaven is a place of joy. And I think sometimes we forget that. I'm not talking about the kind of joy that we have. And we have been in heavenly places and I've seen joy on the faces of people during worship services. I've seen people have great joy in in just their knowledge of God in prayer meetings and whatever it may be. But I'm not talking about the joy here. I'm talking about an ecstatic joy that you could never truly comprehend because heaven is a place just like that. It's a place where it is going to be impossible. I have not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the thing that God had prepared for them that love Him. We need to understand that. We need to get a vision of heaven tonight and say, hey, I want to enjoy some of that joy right now. I want it to go beyond just a little jumping. I want it to get so high on this heaven that nothing is going to Tear me down. You know, the problem with us sometimes is we just see the holiness of heaven and the glory of God, but we miss that ecstatic joy. Oh, you know, I want to go to heaven and I do want to see the holiness and it'd be nice to have all the good things. I don't have to mess, you know, mess with the junk we have down here. I don't have to fight the temptation, trials and problems. Well, how all that's going to be in heaven, it's all going to be gone, going to be left behind. But there's just a whole lot more to that, you know. There's that ecstatic joy that one day I'm going to go before Him and He's going to say, enter into your rest. I'm going to have a joy that goes beyond comprehension. That ecstatic joy... There's going to be no more pain there, no more evil. But something in the back of our minds sometimes, when we just see the holiness of heaven, when we just see the, the you know, the streets of gold and the gates of pearl, maybe you, maybe you don't do this, but I, I've seen it done, I've done it myself. We look at all that stuff and there's something about that can almost be boring. Oh, you said heaven is boring? That's what I said. I didn't say it was boring. I said that some people see it as boring. You know, a pastor was talking to a man one time, a close friend of his, who's a trial lawyer. And he was talking about heaven. And he said he was really confounded with what this lawyer said. He said he didn't really like the idea that there was no evil in heaven. He said evil, after all, in his opinion, was what made life interesting. Without any evil at all, he thought heaven might be a little bit boring. But I think really the problem was he was afraid he'd be without a job with no evil. It kind of reminds you of Mark Twain's story. Some of you have read uh, Mark Twain, Huck Finn, talking about Miss Watson. She was one of those stodgy old ladies, you know, over 50. And she began to tell Huck Finn about heaven. And Huck later mused. He said, she said she was going to live so as to go to a good place. But he said, I made up my mind I shouldn't try for it. 
But I never said so because it would only make trouble and wouldn't do no good. Now, she had got a start, and she went on and told me all about that good place. She said all a body would have to do there was go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. So I didn't think much of it. But I never said so, and I asked her if she reckoned that Tom Sawyer would go there, and she said not by considerable sight. And I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. (laughs) Where did we get this idea that heaven was a place where you fly around with a harp in your hand? Now, I, I don't know, but you see, you see all kinds of paintings and, of stuff, you know, someone flying around with a harp in their hand. You know, to tell the truth, if that is what heaven was all about, I, I'm not so sure about it myself. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, the all of heaven will be so great that there will be complete silence for a half an hour. 30 minutes to just take it in. Now, can you imagine that? You can't get 30 minutes of silence in a church service. But in heaven, there is going to be 30 minutes because the all of just being there, it's not really a matter of what you see. It's a matter of what the fact that you're there. You're that you made it to heaven. You made it to heaven. And I believe there's going to be meaningful and purposeful activity. I believe there's going to be indescribable joy when Jesus, indescribable joy. And in Jesus, when Jesus was on earth, he said that his purpose in coming was so that my joy may be full. And your joy may be complete in John 15, 11. If that was his desire and purpose on earth, how much more is his purpose in heaven? He said that there was great joy in heaven when one sinner repents in Luke 15 and 7. There is great joy over the repentant sinner because there is one more person who will share in the glories of heaven. Part of the joy of heaven for God and for us is that you will be there. Don't you think that there's going to be joy that emanates from the very throne of grace Because you made it. It's not just about seeing Him, and that should be all of our desire. But He's glad because you're there. I'll give Him a hand clap of praise. Psalmist wrote, he said, You have made it known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. There's joy at thy right hand pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 16 and 11. The second thing we notice about this passage of Scripture is heaven is described as a city. Now, I, I, I'm gonna, if you think I've gone off the deep end, maybe I have. But I, 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 I'm going to say, these are Robertson's thoughts on heaven. Okay? Because I don't think heaven's going to be a place where you're going to be locked away with your CDs. Your celestial CDs, let's put it that way. And you're going to be listening to your celestial CDs all the time. I don't think you're going to be locked away all by yourself in something like that. You're going to be a part of a community. All right, a part of a community. The scripture talked of a new heavens and a new earth. He said, for the whole heavens and the earth have passed away. And we are told of a new city coming down from heaven. Now, I begin to think about this passage that I've read it so many times before. And I was struck by a new thought. A city, a city is a city only because it is filled with people. Okay? Otherwise, it's only a ghost town. A city is a city because it's full of people. This is not just a, a walled compound. I've always had a little problem. Now, I know how they describe heaven. I know the New Jerusalem. I understand that. But what if God is th- talking about something different? I, do you really believe heaven's going to be this great walled compound? 
A big wall compound, and the four gates are only open a certain time so we get in out. That don't sound like heaven to me. I'm one of those from the land of the free and the home of the brave. And when it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. And I plan on circulating all through the universe, all through Venus, Saturn, whatever other places I don't know about. I'll go to all those places. I plan on doing that. I, I, I think it's more than that. Not, not, not follow me just for a minute. This is not a, a walled compound with streets and gates. This is a group of people. The foundations are people. The gates are people. The city is described as a bride. Now think about it. Beautifully dressed for her husband. And who are these people? These are the redeemed, those who have been filling the city for thousands of years and waiting for their return to this new earth, to dwell there in their new bodies. The Bible says, now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul is using the word tent as a metaphor for our bodies. Jesus says to us, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will live even though he dies, and whosoever believeth in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said this in John 11. So we will have new bodies that will never die. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians saying, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable or the incorruptible or the corruptible inherit the incorruptible. Listen, he said, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in the 20 of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed oh come on don't you just get excited to listen to something like it you don't have to have a deep message to say heaven is what we desire we are the people of the name of jesus our savior came and died and went away to build mansions for us on the other side So what is the purpose of these new bodies living in a new city? It means to live in deep, meaningful, wonderful, fulfilling relationships with other people. There's not going to be any male or female. We're going to be known as we are known. We're not going to be looked at as we are here on earth. I'm not going to remember every bad thing about everybody here. I'm going to know you as a brother or a sister. That's how I'm going to know you. I'm going to know you that a person that has partaken in that wonderful Holy Spirit of God that came in and we spake with other tongues. I'm going to know you as a child of the King. I'm going to know you as one that took on the wonderful name of Jesus. I'm going to know you in a way that I can't even comprehend in this body. You know what's going to be gone? Gone's going to be egotism. Gone is going to be wounds. Gone is going to be personality flaws. Gone is going to be misunderstandings that make relationships so difficult here. We will see as we are seen and know as we are known. You're going to be an equal, on an equal basis with the heroes of the, of the faith. This is a battle that is worth fighting for. Do you understand? This is something worth fighting for. And in order for us to get there... To get to the promised land, we've got to get to the land of promise. And whether you like the semantics here, I don't really care. I'm preaching, you're not. Now, there is an individual that has entered into my acknowledgement, whether he be 
angel or demon, I'm not sure. But throughout my life, I've encountered this particular individual. His name is Professor Payne, with a big circle and a PP on the front here. I've encountered him many times. And every time I've encountered Professor Payne, I have been the better for it. And I am saying that tonight, some of you, every time you get up to the Jordan River, the professor is standing right there. He's saying, if you decide to go into that river, you shall encounter unbelievable chills. You will get to shaking so badly that your teeth might fall out, even if they're not false. <laughs> Professor Payne. Now, let me tell you about it. I know him firsthand. I, I remember Professor Payne. I, uh, one March, about five years ago, I decided to go, I decided to put my boat in the water. Lake was up, it was March, water temperature was about 40 degrees. And I didn't have a, the dock wasn't in. And the wind was blowing terribly. And it was an east wind. You don't go fishing when you have an east wind anyway, but I went. And so I, put, I, pulled, my, I pulled my boat up on the shore, went to park my truck, and I got out, and there went my boat. The wind had knocked it, the waves knocked that dude loose, and it was going, nobody was around, and it was going right down through the district. I mean, it was going. And I, Professor Payne said, now what are you going to do? And I said, if I let my boat... Now, all this time I was running from the vehicle, I was uh, taking my wallet out. I was dropping cell phones, wallets, keys, everything, just a line going down to the water. Without thinking, I jumped into that 40-degree water, and Professor Payne hit quickly. At that point, I don't remember much what happened. I know that I swam with everything that was within me, not thinking about how I was going to get on the boat after I got there. But God put wings on my feet, and I managed to get into the boat and get my boat back. But, uh, you know, I had, I've encountered cold water many, many times. That's the reason I probably got some of the aches that I've got today. And I understood that. Sometimes, folks, we have to encounter things that's going to hurt us to get where we need to go. Sometimes it's going to be cold. Sometimes it's going to be hot. We don't know. You know, it's interesting. I got to looking about some of these things about touch, and it says that, that uh, thermoceptors perceive sensations which are related to temperatures, but they stop being stimulated when the surface of the skin drops below 41 degrees, which is why your skin starts to feel numb in icy temperatures or rise above 113 degrees, at which point pain receptors take over to avoid burns. So God has built us to be able to handle pain. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to handle it. Why do I have to? Because sometimes in order for me to get where I need to go, God is able to take the Jordan River and stop it from flowing. And we can walk across on dry ground. But a lot of times God says, Now I want you to step out there and I want you to feel just a little bit of pain before the miracle is going to happen. In other words, folks, sometimes you've got to hurt to get us to really want to go to heaven. Come on! I hate to say this, and it's not always the case, but sometimes we just simply have got to hurt because this world is not my home. I am just passing through, and the only thing that's going to stop it from being my home is for me to hurt when I'm in it. (laughs) 
Professor Payne shall be back many times in order for us to get there. I promise you because it's going to happen more so and more so. We're going to encounter things that we don't understand. We're going to encounter because we are going into the land of promise so we can get to the promised land. But we have got to look beyond just the immediate. We've got to look beyond just the, the land of promise. I, my vision has got to be beyond across the Jordan all the way to heaven. If I don't see all the way to heaven, I'll never get across the Jordan. That's the problem with us. I need this Holy Ghost to direct me. I'm not just here to rake muck. I'm not just here to walk around with my head down looking at ground all the time. I'm here to go somewhere. I really want to make it to heaven. My desire is heaven. My, my hunger is heaven. Everything about it I want. Oh! My God, I want it. If you don't want it, you're never going to get where you need to go. Paul said, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, then imperfection is going to leave. Let's just put that right now. Now, when I look at perfection, when I see heaven, then the imperfect pain that I have to endure on earth begins not to matter to me. When I see what I am about to gain, people are backsliding and not getting a hold of what this truth is because they are not seeing heaven. Contrary to popular belief and charismatic teaching, heaven is not on earth. If this, my hope was in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. And maybe they're saying that we're just going to make heaven on earth. The kingdom of God is going to be here on earth. But friend, if this is all there is to it, Paul was deceived. I do not want to be left on this earth. I've got a place, whether it be community or truly going to be a walled city. I can't say. I'm just telling you my thought on it. I can't tell you, but somewhere it's going to be a whole lot better than what I'm going to have right now. It's going to be a whole lot better than what I have now. Online dating services promise to help you find your soulmate. What if your entire community was your soulmate? Huh? Think about it. Heaven, your entire community. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to drop all your, all your defenses and talk from your heart with somebody? Not just one person. That anybody you encountered, you were able to talk from the very heart. That's what heaven's going to be about. You know, and they're not going to be people, people just exactly like you, but people you loved who were wonderfully different from you. Come on now. There are going to be people who lived a thousand years before you ever lived. People who, who used to speak another language. People of other races, nationalities, and personalities. All reflecting the glory of God through their individual personality. You, you see what I'm saying? All reflect in the glory of God through who they are. And I believe that the culture of God is completely different from, you know, we go into a different culture when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're no longer the same people. And we can't use culture as a reason not to live right. We can't do that. 
There will be some aspects of culture that affects everybody. I understand that. But my first impulse will always be that my culture is a godly culture. That my culture is the same as all of these men and all of you. Regardless of the color, regardless of race. It doesn't matter. Randy Alcorn in his book said simply titled Heaven Says... He says this, he said, Consider what it would be like to see the Maasai of Kenya, the Dinka of Sudan, the Hmong um, Athabascans, the Tibetans, the Aukans, the Icelanders, the Macedonians, the Moldovians, Moroccans, and the Peruvians. Hundreds of nations, thousands of people, groups will gather to worship the Lord and many national... You, you, every time, you, you think what I'm saying right now. Whenever we support and do anything for missions, that's what we're supporting right there. Because one day I may not know where my dollar goes. But one day I'm going to be in heaven and I'll know where my dollar went. Uh, I lost the name right then. Um, Lori, where are you? Um, who? Yeah, what's... Mario, that's it. Mario sent... Uh, Sent a picture. They, their church, their whole, their whole area got flooded out. It all, all got flooded out. And, and, you know, I thought that was a church that we, we built. We seen a major miracle in that church, didn't we? We saw a major miracle in that church. We seen, and you know the great thing about him? He said, pray for us. He didn't ask for any money. And because of that, he'll probably get some. You know, because of that, because of that very reason. He didn't ask for it, but he said, pray for us. That whole area was flooded. I've seen some, some of you have seen some of the pictures that were sent out in, in that area. But I, I'm saying you, we are still affecting that group of people. We are still affecting that group. We're still affecting Helga. We're still affecting that group of people. People that we preached to years and years ago are sti- still being affected today. And we'll never know the end of all of it until one day we stand in heaven before God. And we're going to see them. We don't see them like we know, but we know that somewhere along the line, that's my brother. That's my sister. He may not look just like I do. But he's got that same Holy Ghost spirit that I've got. He's got that same desire for heaven as I have. Mm. The third thing I see... And this passage is that heaven takes seriously the difficulties we're facing now. The Lord said to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and they shall be my people. Heaven, my friend, is real. The Lord understands that in this present world, there is a thirst for something new. There is a thirst for something new. A world where our longings are met and fulfilled. He understands that sometimes there are things we will face and have to overcome. Are you there? There's going to be pains that we have to overcome. He knows that. Don't think that what you're going through is unusual. There have been people throughout the centuries that have endured the same things that you are enduring right now. 
Do you see what causes me and gives me the ability to endure is because my vision is not on what pain I'm feeling or what I'm lacking or what obstacles in my way. I see across the Jordan. I see across the, the land of promise and I see the promised land. I see heaven. Oh, you've got to see heaven with me. Sometimes when you don't feel like lifting your hands, you need to see heaven. You need to see that's a place that I'm going. That's a place that God has intended for me. I've got a mansion over there. I've got a place over there. I've got family over there. I've got friends over there. Mm. (laughs) This whole passage was written to give us hope. That's what this is about. Because the Lord knew we would need hope. In a world that can be difficult and unsatisfying, we need to know that there's another world coming where all our needs and our, our deep longings is going to be met in ways that cannot be explained. They cannot be comprehended now. They can't be comprehended no matter how much and how eloquent I might wax in trying to describe heaven to you. Your mind, your finite mind is not capable of understanding or comprehending the depth of what heaven really is. You can get a glimpse of it, and tonight I hope you get a glimpse of it. One of the things you have to understand and look at it, and those of you that are grandparents, I know that you understand what a joy a life is being a grandparent. What a thrill to see infants grow to be toddlers and toddlers grow to be children. And I'm not so sure about the next segment of about adolescence, but we'll go there. Grow to be adolescents and adolescents grow to be adults. And in the beginning, you watch them struggle to recognize their colors and learn their numbers and the letters of the alphabet. And then you watch them sound out words and begin to read. And some of you who have pianos or instruments, you begin to see them play the scale on a piano now they may be learning to read but if you could try to tell them at that stage what it would be like to read war and peace they would not really understand what you were talking about it'd be impossible for them to understand this They may know their numbers, but if you try to tell them about algebraic equations, calculus, and quantum physics, you would be met with blank stares. You could talk to them about Beethoven concerto, but they would have trouble playing out of the beginner's lesson book. But in the same way, God could tell us what it would be like in heaven, but it would be impossible for us to understand much beyond that basic concept of having our tears wiped away. You see, that makes me happy. That alone makes me happy. Tears wiped away and mourning and death being eliminated from that world. Even the most exalted passages of Scripture are but the beginning book of lessons on heaven. For the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor is it conceived what God has prepared for those that love Him. Even in the book, the book, it cannot begin. We can't grasp what heaven is about. Do you understand? Are you with me out there, somebody, that you understand, you hear about heaven, you've heard it preached on, you've heard people talk about it, but somehow you've gone to school and you've let evolution get a hold of you and you feel empty inside. That's because you have no hope. If I only got God put into the ground and that's where I'm going to stay, I have no hope. But you see, I'm not going to just stay in the ground. I'm going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to first ever be with the Lord. Every tear is going to be wiped away. All my hopes are your hopes. Stand to your feet and love Him a little while. I feel like everybody needs to love Him just a little while. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm, Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Music just come and play softly. Singers, you don't have to come. Just, just music. You may be seated. It was not for, if it was not for the hope of heaven, life would be very difficult at times. However, we, we, we don't use the hope of heaven as a means to escape the difficulties of life. Now, this, this, this hope is the means of facing the realities of life. Heaven is a part of the reality of life. And even though it is largely in the future, it is beginning right here and now. It is the hope of what God has for me tomorrow that enables me to face today. It's what God has for me tomorrow that gives me the hope to face the day. No matter how bad tomorrow may be, and regardless if the boss comes up and says, you know, this is your last week to work, heaven is going to carry you through it. And you know that God is going to take you through it. And God's going to make a way for you. He always makes a way for you. Because you know if He can make a heaven for us, He can certainly take care of your job situation. If God can create a heaven for us, that, that ache and pain that you had, I had my elbow was hurting so bad a while ago, and I had three men of God pray for me, and, and it just disappeared. You know, it just disappeared. It just disappeared. You know, I, I, I trusted in God. I trusted the men that prayed for me. And I trusted that if this thing falls off, I still got heaven. It's beginning right here now. It is that hope of God. It is that hope. I really don't know what those people who believe that life is an accident and there's no meaning to life or our personal existence, how, how, how do you live like that? Just how do you live like that? Does that somehow make you a more intelligent person to believe that this is all an accident, that the very consciousness of an individual is just an accident and people are still looking around to see where our tails are? I keep turning around. I can't find mine. You understand. How can it be? How can a mind of a person ever go to something like that? When we are so individual, so unique, so wonderfully, fearfully, David said, and wonderfully made. Everything about us is unique and wonderful. So how can a person live? How can a person live like that? There's no way. There's no way, especially when it's not true. And, and what would it be like to believe that there's not a loving God living at the center of the universe and no purpose to the things we face? What if instead of a smile at the heart of all things, there was a frown or worse, and, and, and there was only blank stars? What would you do if you just believed that you died and, and you was put in the ground and that was it? Life would be very dark and it would be joyless. But when you know that this is your Father's world, 
This is your father's world. And he created it with, with a grand purpose in mind. And when you believe you are loved by the creator of the universe and life has meaning, when you understand that God is in control and regardless of what you're going through, God is in control. And that he's bringing the world to a wonderful conclusion. It's coming quickly. Then you know what? You face life with joy and you face life with optimism because no matter what happens around me, I've got a place. I can see it. You face life with optimism. Life has meaning, purpose, and direction. Your life began in God's love. And my friend, it's going to end in His love. It's going to end in it. You know, we focus on heaven. Not as a respite from real life. But to gain strength for real life. That's why I focus on it. You see, I don't know if it's just all of a sudden revelation for me or if you've already had it or what but it just seemed like recently I understood I'm not thinking enough about heaven I used to think that was a cop out but I am really begin as I look back historically as I, I begin to see people who had great things happen in their lives they desired they longed for heaven you think of, of Peter who said that he ran I mean I know it's just tradition but he said that he ran or it was a Paul not Peter he ran to the to chopping block to have his head removed. You know, he was in a hurry to get there. And you have Peter who was crucified upside down. He was in a hurry to get there too, but he didn't think he was worthy to go the same way Jesus did. Think about it. Why do we not have the great move of God that we anticipate? Maybe because we don't long to be with Him the way that we should long to be with Him. You know, I, I don't expect what life cannot give. We don't demand something from this world which it's incapable of giving. We know that day is coming, but it is not now. So we do not lose heart. Phil Yancey in his book, Reaching for the Invisible God, tells a story of Commander Richard Byrd, who once spent six months in a metal hut in the South Pole. In the Antarctic winter, the sun made no appearance during four of the six months he was there. Yancey quotes from Bird's journal about the experience. He said, I find that I crave light as the thirsting man craves water. A funeral gloom hangs in the twilight sky. This is the period between life and death. This is the way the world will look to the last man when it dies. In the journal, he tells what it was like as he anticipated the return of the sun. It was only three weeks before the sun was due to shine again when Bird wrote in his journal... I tried to imagine what it would be like, but the conception was too vast for me to grasp. The day the sun made its appearance was overwhelming to Bird. Like spring sunshine at the end of a long, hard winter, heaven will break like the dawn of a new day. That's exactly what it's going to be like. You know, when you get up in that morning and you feel good and you look out and the birds are singing, the spring of the year especially, you look out, the birds are singing, and the sun is just peeking up over the horizon. You just feel like everything's brand new. That's the way heaven's going to be to us one day. You know, it's just going to be like that. We're just going to, we're going to be there. You know, it can happen now. It can happen. You realize that we walk on the very edge of eternity all the time. Every day, every day, every moment, I got 21 minutes after 7. Do you know I'd, but 22 minutes after, we could be in heaven. Actually, in 10 more seconds or less, 
we could be in heaven. That's how we need to look at it. If you would, maybe you would get along a little better with everybody around you. Maybe that miracle you would need, you realize this is not so big. I could be in heaven in two seconds. This pain in my body, it doesn't even matter anymore. Because you're anticipating, I'm going to be there. And I'll go back. If God can make that happen, then why can't He make anything else happen? John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress Christian and the interpreter along their journey came across a man with a muck rake in his hand. He was steadily raking filth from the floor. The man could look no way but downwards. So he couldn't see the celestial crown being offered him from above. And like that man, we can look down at the muck or we can look up. Do you hear me? We can look down at the muck and you can just keep treading along and your feet's going to get heavier and heavier because of all the muck that you're picking up. You know why? Because if you begin to look up, all that stuff's going to fall away. It's not going to be there anymore. This is a gift that God is offering, but we have to look up to see what it's being offered. We have to open our eyes to the God who seeks to embrace us and take us to his eternal reward. And you know, we can just end it this way. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Stand with me. You know, in my heart right now, I don't feel like making any long plea for the altar. I feel like you should want to be down here getting everything right without me making it. Everybody that's thinking correctly at all, they want to make it to heaven. And I'm just opening this up for people who want to make it to heaven. I'm opening this up for people who want to make it to heaven. Maybe you've not yet been saved. Maybe you, you still don't understand. But, you know, it just starts with, with bowing your knee at an altar and beginning to ask God to forgive you. Just beginning to talk to Him like you would to a friend. Because God, I, I don't want to miss this. I, I'm tired of having my head down all the time and, and constantly raking up all the mud and the muck that's underfoot. I'm tired of it. I'm so, so weary. I'd like to be able to look up. I'd like to know that there really is a place for me that has been prepared. I really would like to know that. I'd like to be assured of that. I'd like to be assured. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come and get ready for heaven? This rapture is going to take place with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. It's going to take place. Are you going to be ready for it? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be? Singers can come now if you would like. It's up to you. You don't have to. Ministry, everybody. That's you see somebody here that needs prayer, go to them. If you see somebody here that you know that's not received the Holy Ghost, go to them. If you see somebody here that God begins to deal with you, to, to pray with them, go to them. Give them that, that, that word of encouragement. 
give them what they need. We want everybody to make it to heaven. This is not, this is not about, this is not just about the ministry and what I need. This is about what everyone around me needs. Lord bless you this evening.